Jesus. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verses, we'll read 22 through 33. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you said there, say amen. If not, it's up here, so you're fine. It says, and straight away, Jesus constrained the disciples to get into a ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to get to Jesus. But he saw the wind boisterous. Looking around, he was afraid and began to sink. To sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. He said unto him, O thou of little faith, why did thou so doubt? And when, he were, when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. This morning, I don't know who needs to hear it. I don't know why this message is for this time, but I believe it is for this time. I just want to bring a word of encouragement this morning for the church that says, fear not. Fear not. In Jesus' name. Pastor, can you pray over this message this morning? Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Appreciate your time this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before I start, I want to ask this morning, does anyone actually enjoy watching physical storms? Just to watch the storms? There's a few out there. Okay. I have, I have some family, too, that just said, you know, when the storms come, they just will sit on their back porch and just watch the rain come and watch the lightning and the, the free sight and sound that comes with it sometimes. It's your own personal light show. Amen. That sometimes can bring comfort to pe- to people. Now, I'm sure we, while we enjoy watching those storms and watching that rain, I'm sure if the, the level of that storm depends on our comfort, right? If it's just a peaceful storm, you know, and the, the rain's coming out, oh, that's so nice. But now, if it's the middle of a hurricane, ain't none of us wanting to watch that storm, amen? Not one of us are sitting like, oh, I'm a storm watcher now. No, 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 no. That is not us. Big physical storms like hurricane level can be very, very scary and very devastating. But the storms of life can also be and bring incredible fear as well. Here in our text, the disciples encountered a physical storm that they were very afraid of. And let me just say, if they, they were fishermen by trade. Many of them were. And if they're out in the boat and they were scared of the storm, it was a serious storm. 
It wasn't just the way like, oh, this is kind of rotten. No, there's, this is a serious storm. This is not just no patty cake storm. They were crossing the Sea of Galilee, which should have been about a two-hour boat ride across the northern tip of the sea right there. Nine hours later, they are fighting for their lives in a total. Test one, two. In the middle of the sea and in the middle of the night. It says that it was, it was uh, 3 a.m. is the fourth watch. Check out. One, two, is this better? Ooh, that's better. Okay. Um, so they were in the middle of the sea in the middle of the night, as I was saying. This actually sounds a lot like the beginning of the famous three-hour tour that I'm so sure many of us are familiar with. Luckily, it didn't end the same way. Should have been that, but it, it did not happen as they expected. The winds were contrary to them. Jesus, however, wasn't in the boat. They probably may have felt a little bit better if he was in the boat, but he wasn't. And they knew they could all very well drown that night. The physical storm they encountered caused them to perceive death was imminent and fear gripped them. Fear took control of their emotions and in their lives. Fear is a terrible thing, according to the Bible. Fear brings a snare. Proverbs 29 and 25 says, The fear of a man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Fear is a torment. 1 John 4, 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. That perfect love, which Brother Brian talked about last Sunday night, that, that, that perfect love casteth away all fear. Fear brings bondage. Hebrews 2 and 15 says, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear binds. Fear doesn't liberate. The good news here is that every believer has no right to be paralyzed by fear. We don't just have to accept that as a way of life. For 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. We are not to be paralyzed by the world that's around us. Yes, fear is a very human emotion. Fear is something that, that happens to all of us. We're not immune from it, but we're not to be paralyzed by it. Many of you here today that may have been following Christ for a long time, or maybe this is your first time here. If it's your first time here, we say welcome. Glad to have you all that are here. Amen. But either way, or maybe you've come back to the Lord, either way, our hearts can be gripped by fear at some points in our life. It may be that's imprisoned you your whole life. Some people live in a constant state of worry and fear. There's no relief from it. It's everything that happens that day. It's the daily news cycle that brings on the new, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, now it's, it's a constant fear that's in their life, and it binds them. We see in the story that there's some truths in this story that we're going to examine. If you allow them, I think they can get into your heart and your mind, and you can accept them. You may be able to be released from that fear this morning and, and trade that fear for peace. Amen. So the first thing to remember, and this is not going to be revelationary. Let me just tell this. This is not very deep, Pastor, but I think it's something worthwhile. The first thing to remember is that Christ is with you in the storm. Christ is with you in the storm. The context of our opening text here is that John the Baptist had just died, and Jesus was trying to be alone. He was, I understand that feeling. I, didn't, I, I don't have many people thronging after me, but I understand the need of wanting to be alone. He had multitudes of people that were thronging and were, were pressing towards him because they knew that he was a healer. They knew that he could fill their needs. When you find out there's somebody that's there that could fill your needs, tell everybody. He told people not to tell them, and they still told everybody about Jesus. 
He, Jesus wanted to be alone, but the crowds kept coming, kept pressing. Right before this, Jesus had just got done feeding the 5,000, the one that were, were going along with him, and he fed the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fishes. The crowds were ready to, uh, to inaugurate him as king. They wanted to have him as king and lead a revolution against the Roman government because here's our king. Israel wanted a king. This is, our, this is him. This is who's going to be our crowning king. But that wasn't it. The, he, the crowd didn't know that. And the disciples were kind of on the edge about that as well. They didn't understand what Jesus had fully come for, that he had come not for a crown but for a cross. The disciples didn't quite understand that. So he sent them away ahead and said, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. I'll meet you on the other side. He went to the mountain to pray. But just because he was in the mountain to pray does not mean he didn't know where the disciples were. It does not mean that he didn't know where they were. Mark 6 and 48 uh, points this out. He says, and he saw them toiling and rowing. He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. Matthew doesn't say this. Mark says he's just walking on the sea. And what he, if he, oh, hey, guys, how you doing? Just would have kept on going. It was just like it was any ordinary day. And they're like, hey, we're dying here. Could you please stop and save us, Lord, if that is you? He would have passed by them. He may not have been there physically, but he was there in spirit. He knew what was going on. This is the same for those that follow after him. He knows the storm you're in. Sometimes we may think, well, God, you don't mean I know my situation. You know, I'm just, people don't understand. Well, yeah, people may not understand your situation because we don't have that wisdom. But God knows. God knows the situation that you're in this morning, that you're in right now, and he can speak to that situation. He knows all about it. He knows all the details. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want to hear from you. It doesn't mean he wants to hear your trials and your troubles. But he's there for you. Not only this, he's right there in the storm. When the storm was at its worst, Jesus was right there in the midst. He didn't come when the wind started to rock the boat a little bit. He, wasn't, he already saw me. He's like, no, they're, they're okay. He came at the exact time when the disciples needed him so that he could prove to them something. When the storm was worst, Jesus was in the middle of it. When we doubt God's presence in the storm, rest assured he's there. Rest assured that he's there. He's not staying on the mountain. He's not staying in heaven. He's right there with you this morning. Amen. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, and I will never forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord will not forsake me. The Lord will not uh, leave me alone. He is my helper in the time of need. This, the song that we sang this morning, Psalms 23, that just, I mean, it's just, we, like, we learned it in grade school. We learned it in Sunday school. Uh, it's, it's so simple. Those words ring true. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness, not for my sake, but for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk, though I walk, it doesn't say if you walk, if you're not, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
Thou preparest a table in the midst of your enemies surrounding you, in the midst of the storms and everything going, God's going to prepare a table for me. If you're going to war, are you preparing to sit down for a meal? No. Sitting down for me, that brings comfort. That brings a time of peace and rest. He's going to prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. I'm covered by his anointing blood. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm. That speaks perfectly to what we need this mantra in our life that we have. Surely his goodness and mercy, even though I'm in the storm, he's still with me. Even though I don't know where it's coming from, he's still with me. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Man, I don't I want to be misunderstood this morning. God will take care of our needs. God does comfort us. That doesn't mean we're going to get what we always want. I want to make sure I'm crystal clear on that because there is some theology that's that if you follow after Christ, you name it, you know the rest. I'm not going to say it. That's not what the Bible says. I'm saying that right now. The bet is not what the Bible says. The Bible says when troubles come, there's going to be troubles. When the storms come, then I will still know that you're God. It's not if, it's a when that happens. God doesn't have a magic wand. Well, he does, but he doesn't have a magic wand to make all the storms of your life go away. In the book of Mark, we read, it says, the winds were contrary unto him. I like that. I actually think I'm going to start using that. Brother Heil, how's it going? Well, the winds are contrary to me, but praise the Lord anyhow. Ain't that just life, though? The winds were contrary to them. They weren't in their sails. The winds are not always going to be in your sails of this ship called life. The winds were contrary to you. There are times when our sails aren't going to be full of that life-giving wind that breathes on us. Storms are a built-in part of this earth because of sin. Because of sin, because of Adam and Eve at the very beginning of the garden, sin was introduced. We were plagued while we're on this earth to go through storms, to toil, to have pain, to have fear. But that doesn't mean we're alone. That doesn't mean that there's a way out. God has it provided. One day, and that's why we're on this earth, but one day... <laughs> One day Christ will return to this earth. Revelation 21 says that I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. No need to worry about storms on the sea if there's no more sea, amen? <laughs> John saw, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and a great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. That alone is worth it enough. Just to be with God is enough, but that's not it. It says, And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. There's no more crying. Neither will there be any pain. For the former things have passed away. Oh, hallelujah. Why we clap our hands unto him? Thank you, Lord God. One day you're going to return, Lord Jesus. All things will pass away. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. But while we're on this earth, there will be pain. There will be sorrow. But what heavenly day. God will take care of it all. Hallelujah. One day, there will be no more storms of life. But until then, Christ is with us through every storm. And nothing can separate you from the, his love or his presence. Also note in our scriptures, when 
The disciples are looking and they see Jesus. What happens when Jesus gets in the boat? And the Matthew 4, 14, 32 says, And when they were came, he dragging Peter along out of the water. When they got into the boat, it says, And when they came into the ship, the wind ceased. Jesus got into the boat and the wind ceased. When God reigns in your life, he can bring a peace that passes all understanding. He brings a calm and tranquility that can supersede any storm that is in our life. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. If I'm on the water and I'm failing, I'm content. God, you're with me. If I'm in the ship, God's calling the waters. God, I'm with you. I'm content in where I am. That's what the opposite of fear brings. Fear doesn't allow you to be content, but that peace of God brings that. This peace applies not only when we go through trials and tribulation, but peace can be a thing that is needed in such things as our ministry. I'm about to get very real and very personal with you. I hope you all don't mind. Not that you all can do anything about it, but, you know, here we are. <clears throat> I felt it was appropriate to, to share with you all. And I think I've shared this with the, the pastoral staff, and I've mentioned this with my family as well. But I want to let you in a little, little secret here. Um, for the last-ish, 10-ish years of my life, uh, I've had my own storms of fear and doubt in my mind regarding around the question of, God, what do you want me to do? Finally, in 2021, I got my answer, and, and that's fantastic. I'm going to share how that came about. But to understand this, I want you to fully understand where, where Jake Heil was coming from. Um, when I was raised and how I was raised, and I continue to hold the philosophy that if pastor asks you to help with something in your ministry, you just say, sure thing, pastor, whatever you want. So when pastor asked, this was back when Brother Tapia was still here. He was an assistant pastor while he was here. Pastor came up and said, hey, Brother Jake, hey, would you, would you mind uh, helping out as MC? Could you open and close, announce? We had never, Brother Tapia did all that before. We had another non-minister help out with that thing in, in service. And I was like, yeah, sure thing, pastor, which led to, hey, we have a spot on the board of trustees. Do you, do you think you could fill that role? Sure thing, pastor. Uh, hey, do you, do you think you could help out and preach, uh, teach on a, a Wednesday night for me? Sure thing, Pastor. Um, hey, hey, do you think you could uh, preach? I'm not going to be out of town. Do you think you can preach on a Sunday morning for me as well? Sure thing, Pastor. Um, hey, do you think you could be on this uh, pastoral staff that I'm, I'm putting together? Do you think you could be a part of that? Sure thing, Pastor. <laughs> Anyone seeing a pattern here? To state for the record, none of these things were my idea. Just, I did not have a burning desire for any of these things, and Pastor can let you know that. I did not, I did not really necessarily even want any of this, but, but because Pastor asked, yes, Pastor, whatever you need. I did them because he asked. So my internal struggle, though, was, am I doing all of this because the man of God in my life has asked me to do these things, which the Bible says I, I believe I was doing right, but is it what I'm called to do? Is there something, am I doing it out of obedience, or am I doing it because I'm called? There's a difference between the two. There's a difference between knowing what you're supposed to be doing and doing it because God has spoken to your life and said, this is what I want from you, and saying, okay, whatever you want. Because, I, mean, I mean, he would never do this, but God said, Pastor may say, Brother Heil, I want you to go to another church. I don't know if I really want you to be here. Be, okay, that's fine. Thank you, Pastor. Um, you know, if I didn't have a thing to trust in him or trust in my ministry, that's going to be different. I'm just obeying another person. I'm not listening to the will of God. 
Does that make sense? So that was my internal struggle here is that, God, what do you want me to do? Is this what do you want me to do? My, I'm, I'm a tech guy. Those of you that know me, I'm, I'm not a theology student. I, am a, I know spreadsheets and I know, you know technical engineering. I can do those things for you any moment of the day, halfway in my sleep. I can make it up like that. But theology and teaching, I'm like, if you want me to, I can throw something together. But is this what you want for me to do? So time passes. So that's all backstory. Time passes. We're in 2021. It's August 3rd. Brother Green's preaching the message, Spiritual Authority. How many of you that were there for that message? Anyone remember that one? That was great. If you have not seen it, it's on our app. You can see it at tv.acobil.org, or you can download it on Google and Apple Play, also on Roku. So <laughs> that was for free. <clears throat> but I recommend you go watch it. It was a phenomenal, that whole series was a phenomenal message, or a phenomenal series. Just go, go back and read it. So he's preaching, I am MC. I'm up here on the platform. And what he's speaking about with spiritual authority is really resonating with me. I'm just like, man, that's, that's really good. So I start praying, and <clears throat> I get led to, uh, as my prayers often do, God, what do you want me to do? I feel like I've asked him that like a million times. I'm thinking of God, what do you want me to do? And I, when I tell you that I strongly felt in my spirit, I strongly felt in my spirit like I have never in God's say but be before, you have never truly asked me because you are scared of what the answer would be. I mean, I about fell out of my chair. I was like, God, are you? But he's absolutely right. He is 100% correct. Deep down, I knew that with that knowledge would come greater responsibility. I knew that there's, when there's no doubt of what you should be doing and then you don't do it, shame on you. Shame on you because you know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You can't just slack off and say, well, I don't know. Pastor didn't say, hey, could you? So whatever. No, you have that responsibility. You now bear the weight of that. And I didn't know if I wanted that answer. I didn't know if I wanted to hear those words. It's super scary. There's also more work and knowledge for just, just knowing what you, know, what you should be doing. You have to pursue it and then perfect it as well when you know this is what you're called to do. I wouldn't have used a I, you can't use the excuse of, well, I just, I wasn't sure. No, that, that doesn't fly when God speaks to your life like that. So I'm sitting there. God just hit me right between the eyes. I'm, I'm flabbered. I remember the, the rest of his service, but then I, I needed to rewatch it because I was just taken back. I was doing my own little thing over there. So I made it up in my mind that whenever he opens these altars, I am going to be at the altar, and I am going to, in whatever manner I can, truly ask, what do you want from me? This is me honestly 100% asking what you want from me. And when he did, <clears throat> I mean, excuse me, sorry. I immediately did. I went right over to that wall right there. You can probably still see those crying spots on that wall. I went over to that wall, turned my face away to the wall, and just, just had a time with God. Saying, God, if, if you're saying I never honestly asked, this is me asking. This is me. I, I want to know. I'm tired of not knowing what you want me to do. And I was praying and praying. And what, I don't know how much time passed. A few minutes came by. And Brother Green came over as he does, I'm sure as many of you know, and started praying for me. And he prayed for me, and he just said a few sentences, but he said, sorry, just one second. <clears throat> he said, you are loved, and you are a minister of God. Take this as your confirmation. 
The devil is trying to kill your ministry before it even gets started. And it completely broke me. And immediately that heavy burden of fear and uncertainty and doubt just lifted. It lifted like it was never even there. And I knew exactly what I had kind of known for a while, but I was just not stubborn enough to see it. I was crying and rejoicing in the Lord for what he had done and what he had given me. And pastor comes over while I'm praying and says, Brother, I don't want to interrupt you while you're praying, but I think your daughter's getting the Holy Ghost. And I was, what? I had to run over and thank you, Jesus. She was speaking in another language. She was receiving the Holy Ghost right here that very moment, that very night. I received calling, confirmation of my calling, I should say, and my daughter received the Holy Ghost all in that same night. And I remember telling pastors shortly after that, we, I scheduled a call, I just need to talk to him. told him it's not bad, I'm not quitting or anything. Always do that. If you tell someone you need to talk to him, if it's not bad, tell him it's not bad. That's just, my mind just goes, oh great, what does he want from me now? So I, I, I told him, and, and his response to me, paraphrasing, of course, was basically like, thank you, Jesus, finally. <laughs> I was like, finally? He's like, yes, Finally. See, all those hey, could you's, I didn't see it, but all those hey, could you's were leading me to where I needed to be. He was a course for teaching and mentoring me when I didn't see it. I was so blinded by fear and doubt. I couldn't see that I was right where God needed me to be for that time and for that receiving of that calling. So I, I said all that. That's my story. How I, I, I said all that to say this. The devil will try to use let me know as an example. The devil will try to use fear and doubt in your ministry or even your potential ministry. He will try to kill it before it even gets off the ground because he knows the worst thing that could happen is if you are unsure of what you're going to do, you're not going to do it. But if you have a calling from God, you're going to have more power, and he's super scared of what's going to happen when you have that power, when you have that calling in your life. That potential ministry, don't let him rob you of that fear or the, rob you of that calling that's in there. If God's placed a calling in your life, you should 100% be operating in it or at least perfecting it. Not just maybe not operating at this time, but perfecting that ministry. It doesn't mean that having that calling, though, re removes, that, um, it removes that fear from your life. I'm sure, Pastor, we talked about when you were a missionary, there were times when there were fear and doubt. It would have been easier to stick your head in the sand and just say, well, I, I don't know, but you know, I'm not a missionary. God did call me. It's, it's much safer when you don't know. It's more safer in our comfort zone when, when we don't have that understanding, when we don't have that. But we press on in spite of the fear. Sometimes God moves the fear. Sometimes he gives us the courage to push on in spite of the fear. I read something that said that ships are safe when they're in the harbor. But that's not what ships were made for. It's exactly as we, we are safe in certain positions. It's not scary out there. It's, it, it's, it's scary out there. It's not scary where you are. But that's not maybe what we're called to do. And all this, whether it's a, a whatever kind of ministry, our God called each and every one of us to ministry. That's what the body of the church is for, all different parts. It's so much easier to do that. But we are not to be uh, scared of that way. It's called the exact same with us Christians. We're not supposed to stay in that comfort zone. Put your trust in him. So remember, God is with you in the storm. 
Second thing, again, revelationary, but remember that God can use the storm for your good. God can use the storm for your good. See, the disciples viewed that storm as a tragic thing, something that was going to take them down, something that was going to, to capsize the boat and kill them. That's all the storm was to them. Jesus, of course, had a completely different vision of what that storm was. He had a completely different vision of what he was going to teach them through the storm. So there's, there's no evidence that Christ caused that storm. It's not necessarily, there's, he may or may not, but Christ used the storm to reveal himself to the disciples in an incredible way like he had never done before. The Bible tells us that Jesus could easily read the hearts and minds of men when he was with them. He could easily read their, their thoughts. Jesus knew just how afraid the disciples were going to be. But, but why would they be afraid? You're thinking disciples have been with Jesus. They've seen him do miraculous things. Why, why fear? Why doubt? And it goes back to the fire. It doesn't remove that fear just because we have that calling. Just because Jesus called the disciples, it doesn't remove that fear that still can come in our lives. With just a word, paralyzed legs when Jesus could speak, blinded eyes could see, paralyzed legs could walk. He could cast out demons at the mention of his name. Time and time again, the disciples saw Jesus' miracles with their own eyes. But even after all that, they still were not sure who Jesus was. What Jesus wanted from his disciples was faith. Faith is what replaces fear. Fear cannot be in contained with faith. If you're fearful, you're not faithful. <laughs> it doesn't, it can't, it, it has a hard time being there together. He wasn't concerned with what, who was the smartest, who was the strongest, who was the best looking. It was Peter, obviously. No. Uh, faith in him was all that mattered. Faith in him was all that mattered. Jesus allowed the storm so the disciples could see for themselves that they did not have enough faith in him yet. Amen. Because of this storm, they saw Christ in a completely different light than they ever had before. They got into the boat. That's why the revelationary of a statement when they got in the boat saying, Thou art the Son of God. They saw him walk on the water. Even after all those miracles, they saw something that, that just really clicked with them. Thou art the Son of God. Sometimes we need those contrary winds to shift our spiritual perception and our spiritual perspective. Sometimes we don't, it's hard to know in the middle of a storm why it's happening. It's hard to know what's going on, but sometimes God can use that to say, hey, when you come out on the other side, look back on that. Look, re reflect on what I brought you through. And that changes your spiritual perception. While the storm was certainly no joy to go through, right? None of us enjoy going through the storms. It was served to build their faith. It served to make their faith stronger. And it wasn't that they didn't have any faith, but it was a little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. But as a result, the storm built their faith muscles that were strengthened. The storms of life are where our faith grows. The storm also drew them closer to Christ. It didn't push them away. They allowed it to bring them closer to God. Just like the disciples' storm helped them when they did not have faith, the trials in our lives can help us see how much faith that we have. If your first thought in a difficult situation is fear, you don't have enough faith in the constant solid rock of Jesus. We all need to get to that point where a situation happens. Our first instinct is, oh, no, what are we going to The first instinct is, God, I give this to you. I don't understand what's going on, but, God, I give it to you. Uh, yeah, am, I, am I fearful what's going on? I could be, but that's not going to control my situation. Amen. Fear says this situation in my life is too tough for me to handle. Faith says 
God is in control, and he will handle this for me. Fear says, I'm not sure if, if I'm strong enough to handle this. Faith says, nothing is, too, uh, nothing is more powerful than God. Did God create us? Yes, and he can handle your situation. Fear says, I'm not sure if I can trust God. Faith says, God, only you know what's best for me. I don't even know sometimes. I make stupid decisions, but only you know what's best for me. If we allow them, the storms of life can lead us into a deeper, more intimate worship and life with him than we ever had before with Christ Jesus. It can also have the other effect if we don't heed the words. The storms of life can swallow us up and push us away from God's presence. And it won't be God distancing himself from us. It will be us distancing ourselves from him. So I implore you today, I beg you today, don't let the storms of life push you away. Let it draw you in. Let it draw you in. Say, Lord, I may be in this storm, but I'm going to know you're going to use it for good. I'm going to let you take control of this storm and let me have a deeper relationship so that you can receive the glory. So that when I can come out on the other side, I can say, God, look what God did. You see, I, I went through this stuff. I know you're going through stuff, and I went through stuff too, but look what God did for me. I'm sure if I said, how many has God ever done something for you in this house? Every single one of your hands would go up in this house. So if you're ever feeling that God doesn't do, take a look around. And ask, say, God, what has God done for you? Oh, I could tell you stories. It builds our faith. So those testimony stories, that's what they're for. They build our faith because you only may see what God does in your life, but you're missing the miraculous that God is doing in his children because you don't know about it. Say, what has God done for you? God has saved me. He's healed me. We can put our faith in Christ alone. Can we stand? Hallelujah. The musicians would come and as the praise singers would come as well. At first sight, the disciples thought they saw a ghost. They thought they saw a ghost in the storm. It's a spirit. And they were more fearful of it. When you're in a storm, it's sometimes easy for you to see, quote-unquote, ghosts. You see things not how they actually are. Your vision is, is cloudy. It's, it's, it's not, you're not seeing clearly with the, clear of, of the clearness of day. You may have thought at different times in your life that, you know, God must be mad at me. He's, he's, getting, he's getting revenge on me for all that sin that I did. no. No. Remember, the disciples were being obedient to Christ. They were his closest followers. If anybody was following Jesus, the disciples were following Jesus. Literally and figuratively, they were following after Christ. So that wasn't why the storm happened. Being in the ship is exactly where God wanted them to be. They toiled rowing for nine hours before the, the storm finally ended. Could Christ have come 30 minutes into the storm? Could he call like, oh, they're, they're a little way. Okay, I'm going to come and stop the storm. Absolutely he could have. Absolutely he could have done whatever. He could have stopped that storm immediately. But he wouldn't have had the same effect. They wouldn't have learned the valuable lesson that they learned. That, as I said, there's benefits to the storm sometimes. God does not swoop down and suddenly deliver us out of the storm, but he will always deliver us through the storm if we look to him and we trust him. Unlike the wind and the waves, you are free to choose. The wind and the waves had no choice. When God said, wind and waves be still, they have no option. They have to be still. As Christians, we have the ability to choose whether we're going to follow after Christ. 
whether we're going to let fear control our life, let anxiety control our life, or we're going to say, God, I don't understand, but it doesn't matter anyways. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you. Will you choose this morning to put your faith in Jesus? Will you choose to live in faith instead of fear? You know that Jesus is in control of everything. We talk about it all the time. We say, but talk is cheap. We can say one thing, but are we really believing the words that we are saying? God, I put my faith in you. You can relax and live in peace depending on Jesus to calm your storms. Maybe you're in the midst of a storm this morning. I don't know. Maybe you don't see Christ in your storm. I'm telling you to you today, he's saying, I am here. I am here. It is I. Be not afraid. Fear not. Remember Christ is with you in the storm. And remember that Christ can use this storm for your good. If your heart is troubled this morning, I invite you to these altars. We're going to sing. We're going to talk about the greatness of God. But if your heart's troubled, if you want to reach out to him, this is your moment. Don't let this moment pass you by. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, so you can have that peace living inside you, we have water. His presence is good today. I invite you to all come to the altar. I invite you to make a declaration that we're not going to live in fear, but we're going to walk in faith this morning. Would you come this morning? Would you come pour your heart out to God and speak to him and say, Lord, I declare faith in the house here today. I'm not going to be stubborn and ignore what you have for me. I believe in you in Jesus' name. Would you come this morning?